Well, anyhow, start you that. You know, I told somebody. I said, you know, the scripture says in Third John verse two, "I would that you prosper, and be in health, even as your soul prospers." And that verse there, it says, "You prosper and are in health according to your soul." As long as you're trying to change an old soul that can't be changed, it's hard to prosper or be in health. But once you understand the exchange that God has given us a new mind, new will, new emotion, then what follows that? Prosperity and health as your soul prospers. So I believe that's the next step you're going to see. We're going to see more and more people being made whole physically. Because what? The God of all peace sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And I pray your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. Don't put that off into the future. Every time it says at his coming, that word in Greek is presence. He's already present. Don't put it off someday in the future. He's already with you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he's here forever. So don't get caught up into that at his coming. No, at his presence. He's already present. He can't be any more present than he already is. I'll never, what, leave you nor forsake you. That you may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I was going to Hebrews, and I want to read something else. You know, I guess distracted every once in a while but guess what my distractions are they're good distractions you know what jenna said well ago it, it reminded me of this book we've we've read ultimate intention and he says here i want to read this to you so god sees two family trees adam's family and christ's family if our source of life is to change or exchange it becomes evident above all one thing must happen we must exchange families Since we were born into Adam's family, his DNA, how can we get out? How can we become disentangled from the wretchedness of our inheritance through him? There's only one way to be freed. That is through death. Catch. By union with Christ. The word union. Don't get apart from that word. By union with Christ, the last Adam in his death, God sets us free from the tyrant who reigned over Adam in his his posterity. God not only speaks of the first and the last Adam, but also the first and second man. The realization that there would never be another Adam brought to me wonderful unveiling of truth. When the Lord Jesus was crucified on the cross, he was nailed there and laid in the tomb as the last Adam. All that was of the first Adam was gathered up and done away in him. In God's reckoning, Adam was left in the grave and we were included there with him. By Jesus' death, the old race was completely wiped out. Do you see it? There will never be another Adam. When Christ, as the last Adam, moved into hell, he carried a whole family into the grave with him, and over it God pronounced the end. By Christ, the second man brought forth a new race by his resurrection. The first man is of the earth earthly, the second man is from the Lord from heaven. And as we have bore the image of the earthly, we will bear the image of the heavenly. Now by one master stroke, God has provided death to the old and life to the new. Exchange. There will never be, in your life, there will never be another Adam. Once for all. By one offering, he took care of that forever. Hebrews chapter 10. 
There's a verse there that just jumped out at me as I was reading this week. Hebrews chapter 10. Good. All right, verse 11 says, And every priest stands daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sin. But this man, say, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, for what? Forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever those that are sanctified. Are sanctified. One offering forever. Catch that. He has perfected you. What does that word mean? Matured you. Brought you to the full completion to the end. Forever. Those that are not being sanctified. Those that are sanctified. You already are sanctified. Wherefore the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after these things he said. This is the covenant. That I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and into their minds I will write them. And their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. What did he say? I will remember when? No more. Now where remission of these things are, there is no more offering for sin. The word remission there means freedom. It means deliverance. There's no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. To enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. I want you to catch that new and living way. We are in a new and living way. It's a fresh, new, living way that we're in. Why? Because Jesus put to death the old so he could establish the new. The old is gone and the new has come. It's a new and living way. It's not sin and death anymore. It is a new and living way. The spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. Because what the law couldn't do, Christ did. A new and living way which he has consecrated. And guess what that little word consecrated. That little word consecrated means qualitatively new. Qualitatively new. You are qualitatively new. That means every part of you is new. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new, which he hath consecrated for us, that is, through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart, or a, a, a truthful heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. You know, Deverne Frumke said, you know what? The whole heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. You cannot have your old heart sprinkled from an evil conscience. He says God's got to do something more than cleanse your old heart from an evil conscience. First Ezekiel thirty six twenty six says God will give you a new heart. I'll put a new heart within you and a new spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. The old heart can't be cleansed, but the new heart's why he gives us a what? Qualitatively new heart. A new spirit, a new mind. So we see that, and, and this is what... He's saying here, by a new and living way, let us draw near. And he says, let us hold fast our profession. A profession of what? Faith without wavering. What does that mean? What does James say about wavering? Getting in unbelief. Let us hold the profession of our faith in what Christ has done firmly. How long? To the end. Don't be moved from it. And then what? Marion? Let us consider to provoke unto love and to good works. 
Marion's always trying to provoke me and Eric to get out of her recliners and go to work. And Eric. He says, you guys have got to get out of that recliners and do something. But you know what? You do something from the recliner. Every time you get up, the recliner goes with you. And it'll never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus said, my peace, I give it to you and the world can't take it away. Repose. You have a recliner with you everywhere you go. And so you, you work. Amen? Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lived me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, we understand we are living this new life by the life of another. We are living this new life by the life of another. We're living in the, by the faith of another. I live in this life by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith. Everything is his. It's all about him. You know, and we see that he provided all this for us so we could be righteous. You know, we, we talked about the law last week. 1 Timothy 1, 9 says, Knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man. Say, the law is not made for the righteous man. And we are the righteousness of, Christ in, uh, righteousness of God in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So how righteous are you? You're as righteous as you're ever going to be. So what? The law was not made for what? The righteous man. So why would a person that's as righteous as he's ever going to be ever want to go back to the law that's not made for him? Not only that, but Romans 2.14 says, When the Gentiles which have not the law. The law was not made for the Gentiles. It wasn't made for us. So why would you go, want to go back to don't do this and don't do that and rules and regulations and all that stuff? It was never written for us in the first place. So just get over it. People try to put those legalistic laws and rules and rituals back on you. say, no way. It's not made for me. It's not made for the righteous. Jesus put an end to that thing, didn't he? Colossians, written, says in Romans, for the, for the written code of the Old Testament law was canceled over 2,000 years ago through the finished work of Christ. It was canceled. Colossians 2.14 says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. What did he do? When he died on the cross, he took all that mess and nailed it to the cross, and it no longer applies to us. Amen. In having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. To this day, it's still being preached that you have to measure up to some measure of something. You've got to do something. This is verse 11 when we started a while ago. Every priest standing daily ministry and offering times the same sacrifice which can never take away the sins. Every Sunday, there's preachers standing behind pulpits telling you, don't do this, don't do that. You've got to do this, you've got to do that. Those are sacrifices of the flesh that can never take away sin. Never take away sin. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sin, forever sat down, expecting his enemies to be made his footstool. All right? All right. I don't know where that come from. But it is. It's being, and, and we laughed about it at the coffee shop. How many times have you, we've heard message on paying the price, right, Jerry? And I showed him a book back here on the coffee shop, the price of the double portion. You got a price to pay for the double portion. I'm telling you, it sounds right. It sounds fulfilling of the flesh like Colossians, but it has no, 
Nothing. It can't do nothing for you. Listen, he paid the price. He paid the double price. So you could have everything. It's the Father's good pleasure to give it to you. It's a matter of receiving it. You know, all the ass, the seeks, and the knocks, and all that stuff were done away with when, by one word. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. It's your Father's good pleasure to give it to you. And whereby is given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises we're partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruptions in the world through lust. Amen? So you can't pay the price. Ephesians 1, 6 says what? That he has made us accepted in the beloved. If he's made you accepted, what can you do to make yourself any more accepted? Nothing. Just be accepted. Get over it. Romans 5, 18, 19 says this. Therefore, by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men uh-oh, under justification of life. Well, guess what? It's into justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. The word disobedience there in the Greek, it just means inattentive hearkening. Adam just didn't pay attention to what God said. Obedience. Disobedience means inattentive. Many would say it's not doing what God said. No. It had nothing to do with his actions. The fact is, he didn't listen. By one man's obedience. You know what that means? Attentive hearkening. He listened to what the Father said, and he did what the Father told him to do. And Isaiah 50, verse 4 and 5 says, The Lord hath opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned my back away. He opened his ear to hear. See, how many times did Jesus say, He that hath what? Ear to hear, let him hear. In Hebrews 5, 8, Miriam was quoting a while ago. Though he was a son, yet learned he obedience by the things he suffered and being made complete. How did he make made complete? By the things he suffered. Do you think Jesus suffered a little? Do you think he finished his course? He was completed, made perfect and complete in his course by what he suffered. The garden, the whipping post, the cross. He became the author of eternal salvation. To them that obey him. So what does that word obey there means? It means if someone knocks on your door. And you go to the door. You open the door. And you hear what they got to say. The ones knocking on the door. It has to do with listening. Just listen. The new covenant and the good news of the gospel of Isaiah 53 and 54. Screams the overwhelming message. Of God's loving graciousness towards us. He didn't send his son just to change what we do. But exchange us to himself through his grace. Titus. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Teaching us. What? Denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We're to live soberly, righteously, and justly and godly in this present world. The grace of God doesn't give you a license to go sin. It teaches you how to live. In this present world. It teaches you how to deny ungodliness and worldly lust, to live soberly, righteously, and justly. Why? Because it teaches your identity, who you really are. It teaches you how to live. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a what? New creation. The old has passed away. You know, in Revelation, we're so caught up with this change doesn't work. You know, this, this book here, it's not about change, he says. It's about exchange. You know what Hudson Taylor said? It's not about change. It's about exchange. 
Watchman Nee says, it's not about change, it's about exchange. And that's where we got we to see it's, it's not about that. We're always trying to change. You know, I, I was looking at that one verse, Revelation 21.5, and where it says, I make all things new. I said, now that's a little strange. Let me go look at the Greek. You know what the Greek says? Look, new, I make all things. You're talking about a creator. He's not going to recreate this heaven and the earth. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. Everything's new. We're dealing with a creator, not a recreator. He's not interested in recreating us in any shape, form, or fashion. We're new creatures. Even your old body says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. Guess what the word change is? Exchanged. Because 1 Corinthians 15 says God gives this body a, a seed, a body according to its seed, DNA. It's going to be a different body. When the rapture comes, this old body ain't going. But it shall be exchanged for a glorious body like his. Now, I don't know what I'll, I know I'll have hair, but other than that, I don't know what I'll have. But I know one thing. When the, on the road to Emmaus, the disciples didn't recognize him. When he walked through the door and they was hiding behind closed doors, they didn't recognize him until he showed them his hands. We're going to have a glorious body fashioned like his. It's going to all be new. He even gives us a new name according to Revelation chapter 2. I've given you a new name that only men you know. New. Catch that word. We're living by a new and a what? A living way which he ordained. All things new. Mm. For in Christ Jesus, Galatians 6.15, in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availed anything nor uncircumcision, but what? It's not about whether you're circumcised or not circumcised. It's a new creature. It's a new creature. Neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. As many as walk according to this rule, what? New creation. Peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. Romans 2, 28 and 29 says, He that is not a Jew, this one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. Circumcision is of the heart, a new heart. Hebrews chapter 7 says, If perfection was by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise in the order of Melchizedek and not after order of Aaron? For the law made nothing perfect. Say, the law made nothing perfect. But the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw nigh unto God. For those priests were made without an oath, but this one with an oath by him that said unto them, The Lord swore and will not repent. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much more was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. Say better covenant. But this man, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. You got to understand, Jesus ever lives. Jesus is at the right hand. When he was crucified 2,000 years ago, till the end, he's there every day making intercession with his blood. is just as fresh right now as it was 2,000 years ago. 
His blood ever lives to make intercession for you, past, present, and future. The blood is able to save to the uttermost. What does that mean? To the end. Do you think you're big enough to stop that process along the way? No, because if any man is in Christ, he's what? A new creature. You're in union with him that created you. That's the key to this thing is you're not, you're not your own anymore. You're living your life to the life of another. The new covenant has solved the problem of sin forever and has removed all the obstacles between us and God. Christ has restored our heritage, granted us every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, Ephesians 2.12. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given, seek and you shall find, and knock and it shall be opened unto you. Who was he talking to? To those that were under the law. Right? Do you know under this better covenant, the ask, seeks, the finds, and the knocks have been replaced with receive with meekness? Because it's your Father's good pleasure to give it to you. Jesus said from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of God suffers violent and the violent take it before us. But now, it's over. From the days of John the Baptist and all the prophets till now, you had to press in to get it. No more. No more. Now, it's your Father's good pleasure just to give it to you. So just receive it. Receive it. No more of this having to pay the price and break through and Fast and, and pray and all this, trying to get somewhere where you, you already are. Yes. It is finished. From the foundation of the world, he has given us those what? Exceeding great and precious promises that by them were made partakers. Ah, 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says, Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do we do that? By believing the promises. By believing the promises. You know what? Hebrews chapter, I think it's verse uh, chapter 1133. He says, through faith we obtain the promises. Through faith we do what? It's his faith. He gives you his faith to obtain his promises. Now what kind of deal is that? That's pretty awesome. Because all the promises are in him, yea and amen, in Christ Jesus. And one of the promises we have is right here. As often as you eat this bread and drink this blood, you just show what? What he's done for you. Come on, Eric. 